I um, had this experience of being drafted. I didn't go voluntarily. In fact, the FBI had to come get me. And, uh, but when I, I didn't realize that what God had for me in the military would greatly change my whole life. Not only that, the, the very trajectory of my life was changed when I decided to submit to authority. And I'm, I'm so grateful to God for the privilege of that. It is true that many citizens and civilians don't understand the gravity of what that is to be under command. But I, I'm so grateful when the Lord Jesus told my wife and I that he would, he would not allow us to go home. That would not be our home. I was already overseas when the Lord began speaking to us. He said, where you were born will not be your home. I'm going to lead you in other places in the world. And that is true. And by the time we were uh, discharged from the military, that happened overseas. We stayed there for a while, and, and the Lord directed us back. Um, but we never did go back home to live, to visit, to minister, but not to live. I came here to Atlanta, Georgia on assignment, and that's why I don't quit. That's why I don't back up. That's why I have not turned around. It's because I am on assignment from Almighty God. And I learned what it was to be on assignment while I was in the military. Because whenever God gives you an assignment, he also gives you the power to fulfill it. Lift your hands to the Lord today. Everyone that he calls into the kingdom, he calls under his lordship. He calls and commissions under his authority. This is what God does. And when you say yes to the Lord, you're saying yes to his rule, his power. You're saying yes to his might. You're not saying yes to your will. You're saying yes to his will. And you begin to submit your will to the Lord. And then the Lord takes that submission and begins to work out in your life his good and perfect plan. His good, his acceptable, and his perfect plan for your life. And I ask in the name of Jesus today, Father, that you would cause this people that has been called under your command to realize today how very small changes bring about incredible, gigantic results for your kingdom. I thank you, Heavenly Father, that we would be able to see it, we'd be able to cooperate with it, that you might get the glory. And I praise you for your word that helps us to acknowledge it. In Jesus' name, make it real to us today. And I thank you in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. amen. Turn and hug your neighbor, amen. Give, give him a big hug. You need to hug him. Say, thank you for your service. Tell him thank you for your service. In the kingdom of God, amen. So this has always been amazing to me how a very small adjustment brings about powerful results. That little decisions and little adjustments of our thinking produce enormous, enormous results. One of the things I thought about in the field of cooking, in fact, it was given to us today. If you take a little bit of salt and put it in your food, it will change 
it, amazingly the taste, it brings out the flavor. Can, it, can I get a better amen than that? It's, it's amazing. But on the other hand, if you take too much salt, it will just, how many of y'all understand what I'm saying? So my wife decided to cook some, um, some black-eyed peas. Mm -hmm. And so she, she did all that she does. She cut up the onions and uh, I don't know if you had sour. Did you have sour this time, baby? She didn't use celery. Just, was it just black eyed peas and onions? She had some bouillon, white pepper. Uh -huh, move over here. Some white pepper. A little bit of little bitty adjustments. Some white pepper, some, some salt. And she, she put all of it in there, put them peas in it. And she, and, and I, one more thing. I, I know what it is because I remember because I remember she said she had boiled them all day. Just let them simmer down. I think it was a crock pot. She crock potted them. Amen. You know what a crock pot is? That's a little hot pot that lets stuff cook all day without burning. Amen. So I went in there and I got some, and I taste the black eyed peas. Like, oh my God. Not only did they, they weren't too soft, or they put them in their mouth and they squish. They had a little bit of a, you know what I'm talking about. And, and, and it was just so good. I said, but there's, there's something different. I said, what? There was something I couldn't decipher in these black-eyed peas that was so incredibly, made them so good. And finally she told me, she said, I put a little sweet curry powder. She put a little sweet curry powder in her black-eyed I couldn't even believe it. It was so good. I wonder if you can think of anything that just a very small adjustment creates a huge impact, huge difference. Can you think of anything like that? I know my, my, my driving instructor told me, he said, I'm going to save your life. And, and he, said, he said, instead of looking in front of your car at the road right there in front of your car, raise your eyes and look way down the highway. I can't even tell you what difference that made. When I lifted my eyes from the occurrences right around me to down the highway, I could see everything. Raising my eyesight also widened my vision. So I could not only check out here and here and here at the same time. My peripheral vision changed when all I did was raise my eyes just a little bit. I'm just wondering, you're sitting there in your chair this morning. Now, I wonder if you can think of any one little adjustment in your life that made a huge change. Find somebody, talk to them for a second, and tell them that one little thing that you were instructed to do, how powerful that changed your life. Go ahead, go for it. What one small, maybe it was an instruction somebody gave you. Maybe it was, I decided to read the directions. <clears throat> what was it? What was that one little thing that made a powerful difference in your life? Oh, my God. Amen. So I was telling this group the other day, for those of you that can't think of one thing, I was telling the group the other day that the, the man told me when I was playing golf, he said, don't keep your shoulders square. He said, turn your shoulders in just a little bit like that. He said, that will change your swing. It did. I hit the ball 20, 30 yards longer. All I did was just turn my shoulders. Amazing. 
This is a principle in God's kingdom. When God wants to change you, it's not a big whopper at one time. He just gives you a little bit instruction. Did you hear something? How many, somebody stand up and tell me one little thing was powerful. That all you did, made one adjustment, and the next thing you knew, it had enormous results. Anybody? You were raising your hand? Say it again. Say it a little louder. Daily devotions. It changed your life? Oh, my God. I believe it. Yes. Oh, I thought you were raising your hand. <laughs> One little thing. Shout it loud so they can hear it. I, I got God's view of who I am and not what other people thought, thought that I am. And that changed my life. How many of you can say amen to that? Wow. Somebody else. Yes, my sister. What the enemy meant for evil, God is working it out for my good. Amazing, isn't it? Somebody else. Yes. In 2010, the Lord told me to change careers. Mm. My decision to change affects 1.5 million people. Some of you don't know who's sitting next to you, somebody famous in the kingdom of God. You better be good to that man right there because the water you're drinking, he is controlling the water you're drinking. Oh, my God. What little things. Somebody told him, don't run for, come on. Don't run for Mary. What, what, what did they tell you to do? Wow. You tell us the rest of what happens later as a man. One little instruction from the Lord, just a little adjustment and everything changes. Yes, ma'am. I took dictation and typed one letter that changed my life. How did it change your life? I met the mayor of Atlanta, and he hired her, and she worked in the mayor's office. Hello, somebody. In case you don't know what mayor that was, it was the Honorable Maynard Jackson. Amen. Amazing. Isn't that amazing? My, my sister back here had her hand up. Yes. I read one book and it changed my life. My God, I, I can't even tell you. What happened to you when you read the book? Excuse me, I'm sorry, forgive me. What book was it? I read Blindness. And what happened to you? You enrolled to be a surgical. Are you serious? You're enrolled in school now? Get out of here. Somebody give God praise. Wow. Wow, that's amazing. Yes, ma'am. I went to college when I was 40 years old. I went to when I was 40 years old. What happened? And sent me, it took me out of the warehouse and put me in the corporate office. Come on, clap your hands, somebody say amen. 
You, it's, it is amazing. I don't know if you have you thought about that now. How powerful one adjustment of your direction or your thinking changes your life altogether. Yes, ma'am. Sure, you're right. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and I got the best part of the deal. Amen. Uh, so this morning, I want to visit something with you very shortly. Uh, that one adjustment of your thinking changes everything. But I need you to allow you, I need your permission to allow me to adjust something in your thinking that is going to change the productivity of your life from here on out. But you have to be able to hear it and make that adjustment. It, so, it seems to me that this is what the Lord wants to do to us for the remaining of the year, that the things that we hear and see, very small, but when you do them, create powerful results. And so let me share it with you right quick. I want to visit two scriptures that appear to be in conflict. Would you please turn with me, please? Let's begin this, this walk together in 1 John 3.16. I think most of you probably memorized it, but uh, I'd like you to turn there. 1 John 3.16 to check out these two verses because it looks like so many of those who love Jesus, who follow the Lord, they, they, they somehow make the wrong um, application or the verses, these two verses I'm going to share with you, it seems like they have the wrong implications. Sometimes even creates unspoken confusion in the heart of God's people. Are you there? Did you find John 3.16? If you did, say amen. I'm sorry, John, John, did I say first John? No, oh, actually it's John 3.16, okay? And, and then I want you to find, then stick your finger there, and then find 1 John 2, 16. John 3, 16, and then 1 John 2, 16. I, I, want, I want to show, this is amazing to me. How many of you have already memorized this verse of scripture? Can we say it together? What does it say, saints? Stop. Try it again. One more time. So Go again. Do it again. One more time. God did love what? For God so loved the world that what? Mm, that whosoever, come on, believes in him shall not perish. So this is like a marquee verse of the Bible, particularly the New Testament. Because it singles out and tells us the greatness of God's love. The greatness of his expression toward us and toward this world. Mm, the greatest expression that has ever been demonstrated. He loved it so much that he gives his one and his only son. And he does so by delivering him to the cross. So the world, when the Bible says, uh, this single verse tells us about this great love, God loved the world and demonstrated by the sacrifice of what was most precious. Are you there, saints? 
The world here, the word world here, mm, the word world in John 3.16 is people who have messed up. The word world here, cosmos, reflects people who have royally blown it, who have sinned horribly, who need a savior. That's every single one of us. We've all sinned. We've, every one of us have made terrible mistakes. We messed up bad. If you've ever messed up bad, would you raise your hand? And I know you, you may not want to do it proudly, but, but if you understand the next phrase, you, you, you'll be thankful. Hey, come on, raise your hand and look at your neighbor and tell, I, I messed up so bad. I mean, I'm tempted to ask you, tell them how you messed up, but I, I won't, at least y'all run out of here, amen. Every single one of us have sinned. But here's the good news. Because God loves us, he sent his son to sacrifice for us. And the people said amen to that. And, and we are also, well, we're also to love the world. Like Jesus loved the world. The people. Because Jesus loved the world. And now he uses us, you and I, to show his love for the world. But when we have another, there's another verse I want you to look at. Check it out right now because it seems like it's contradictory. And would you read together John, 1 John 2.16. What does it say in the NIV translation? Read it for me. Say, what, do what? Do not love the what? Or anything in the world. For if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of the eyes, the boasting of what he has and does, does not come from the Father. From the world. Wow. It feels conflictive. So which one is it? Which love the world or don't? Actually, both verses are absolutely correct. With no contradiction. Here is what the verses correctly mean. You might want to write this down. We are to love the world of godless people. God so loved the world of filled with godless people. That's John 3.16. But we, but we don't love the world and godless things. It's godless things that we do not love. That's 1 John 2.16. Sadly, the problem is so many Christians have forgotten these. They get them all mixed up and they do exactly the opposite. They loathe, they hate, they despise godless people. And yet they get caught up in loving godless things. In fact, all temptations, all the temptations of life, everything that comes from this world can be put into three categories. They are, we call them the three great traps of this life. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, 
and the pride of life. And every advertisement in America that's ever been created is built on one of these three things. I'll give you an example, the lust of the flesh. So if you've ever seen a Carl's Jr. commercial, they, they get this supermodel to bite into a huge cheeseburger. And she don't even eat cheeseburgers, right? Am I right, am I right about it? But you don't look, you don't, baby, you do not look like a person that eats, even, even eats at Carl Jr.'s. But they, they, want us to, they want us to buy the burger because subliminally it says, if you eat this burger, you'll look like her. Are you all breathing? Commercials are that way. Can you think of commercials? I've seen some of the most stupid commercials in the world. And by the way, they're not getting any better. They are getting funnier as it goes, but they're not necessarily getting any better. And, and, and they will use this whole principle of the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life to get us to move, to get us to make decisions. Hmm, how about the lust of the eyes? Have you ever watched QVC? Anybody ever watched QVC channel? I want to tell you right now, if I took you to a, a um, I could take you up the street to, um, to uh, the storage, I have, my wife and I have an old storage, had been had it for about 10 years, and in that storage, you know, there's a safe, and in that safe, not only are some of my wonderfully choice weapons, I'm sorry, forgive me, forgive me, you know, don't, don't kick me into hell, but I have some weapons in there, and, and, and I also, in that safe, I have some knives, all kinds of beautiful knives. You, you, oh, these knives look wicked. I mean, these knives—they are from small to great. They're the ones that you can pull out. You know, what's that guy came from Australia? What's his name? Crocodile Dundee. I got me a Crocodile Dundee knife. Man, you look at that thing, and I, I've got them right. How did I get these knives? Watching the QVC. They come on and come out, come out. You can have all of these. You can have this crocodile Dundee knife. You can have this samurai sword. You can have, and you get not only that for $19.99, but you get all of these pen knives that come along with. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Man, they were messing with me. Whatever in me, whatever in me that likes dangerous stuff, oh, they were pulling on it. They were pulling on it. And I'd, I'd get on there, I'd get my little credit card out, and I, and I, and I, I you, know, you know what I'm talking about? Hey, come on, I couldn't wait for the, I love the, I love the mail. I love the mail. I'm sorry, I'm just revealing some of my weaknesses. I love the mail. Man, when that little app, my phone comes on and says, you have a package. Oh, oh I got a package. I, it could be 12 o'clock at night. I'm running down there. Hey, they said, I got a package. And they go back and they bring us. Oh, yeah. I can't wait. I love surprises. And I can't wait to get my knife out to cut that. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> anyway. Look, don't, 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 just, don't, 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 don't be a hater because, you know, <laughs> it's the same thing when they come on the QVC and they say, now ladies, you can buy this mop for 19 dollars 
it will not only clean better, but it'll clean quicker. You will save hours of hard sweat and toil. And these hours will be saved. You can give this time to your kids because you don't have to spend that time mopping the floor. Because this, this mop, it's almost like they're saying, this mop will mop the floor itself by itself. Man, they're always pulling on us, aren't they? By the way, when you leave today, make this one adjustment in your thinking. Just check out how many things are being advertised. It's amazing. You don't believe it? Ride down, ride down 75, and when you get right outside the city, just look up on the left and on the right. There's one billboard after another. Now they have electronic billboards that give you several different advertisements as they sequentially go in cycle to convince us that we're, our lives will be better with those products. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Think about almost every car commercial you've ever seen. It's about status, right? The driver is cruising around Highway 101. They're telling you all the great, about all the great features. Now they include music with it. Always, car commercial has some banging music. And they will give you scenery. They, I'm sorry, it's old school, but you know what I'm, you know, you know, don't be hating, don't be hating. You know it's right. You know I'm right. And, and, and they, they got all the dials will come up, you know. Now you don't have to turn no dials. Everything is voice acting. Am I right, saints? You know, and when you step into that car, the world disappears. You create your own world. Am I right? It's amazing. It's amazing. But check this out. It's really about, because when you pull up in your car to an exclusive hotel and you hand the keys to the valet who is so impressed as you walk away, as they get to park your car, they walk away, and, then, and the owner of the car walks away into an amazing life that we wish we had, which subliminally says, if you get this automobile, this is what your lifestyle's gonna be about. In fact, some of y'all still get that thing in you from high school. You still look for the Friday night crowd so you can drive your car down the middle of the street slowly. What's up? And some of y'all are still in, some of y'all from the 60s, y'all still here, so you got your shades on at nighttime in your automobile. All your rims are shining. You feel me? All right. It, it, it's, it's, an ama it's an amazing thing, saints. But these three things that are in the Bible, in the Word of God, are the three things that, that advertisers they go to school to learn the psychology of them. And there are huge and humongous studies in marketing how to capture our imagination and capture our feelings. Are you there, saints? The three great traps in life, lust of the flesh, which is our passions, lust of the eyes, which is our possessions, lust of the pride of life, which is our position, our status, are the three things that, compri that are comprised of what the Bible says, this is the love of the world. And here's what's crazy. None of those things in themselves are evil. It's what we have done with them 
and how we treat them. Are you still with me? When you talk about the lust of the flesh, the lust of the flesh is, is the temptation to feel. Do you know that our culture now is nothing more than a feeling culture? Feelings are more powerful today than facts. People live out of what they feel. They make a choice that my feeling is the truth. Oh my God, if your feeling is the truth, you're going to have problems. Okay, I'll be a little private. I'll reveal this. A few days ago, I had to go get one of them things, you know, one of them scopes to check you out to see that your, your, you know, that your tubes are working right. Yes. I mean, I don't have fallopian tubes. Make no, 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 no. But the other two were working right. And, and, and so I don't know what they did, but, but Ricardo, it was a new definition of blowing something up your, yeah. All I know is when they were done, you know, and I got my clothes on, and I was like, I said, oh, my God. Oh, Jesus. My mama raised me to be, how to act in polite company. You know, you don't, you don't do that, man, but whatever they did to me, I don't know what they did because the woman, the girl said, she said to me, okay, now I'm going to put the medicine in your IV and it takes about 30 seconds to work. Man, that, well, I, I didn't even count to 15. <laughs> when I came awake, they had me in an hour, I had, did everything they did. I don't know what they did, but all I know, I had jet propulsion wherever I went. That's right. <laughs> and it was worse than that because it lasted two or three days. But I'm going to tell you, if you live by your feelings, what if what you thought was air is solid? Man, it's one of the worst things in your life to judge your life by the way you feel. Tap your neighbor and say, don't use your feelings. They're unreliable. Come on, tell somebody. But the truth is that the lust of the lust of the flesh is about how you feel. I want to feel good. People today will do anything to feel good because they've been feeling so bad. Are you there, saints? It can be, but it, it, it's, it's, it's at the point now where, where everything around us, we're trying to get a feeling. Television, food gives you a feeling. Drugs give you a feeling. Sport can give you a feeling. Drink can give you a feeling. Mm. It could be anything that makes you feel good. And some great things that have been provided in life, which are not awful things at all, but when your feeling becomes the number one thing in your life, you begin to abuse good things to keep that feeling. It's called the lust of the flesh. Could it be any kind of, it could be any kind of pleasure. And while God is the creator of all that gives us pleasure, never, ever, never, ever did he want us to exchange our relationship with him for pleasure. The Bible says in the presence of God, there's pleasures forevermore. But it's in the presence of God that gives you the pleasure. Never intended for us to be addicted pleasure. Are you still breathing saints? It's, it's the temptation to feel. It's really, it's called hedonism. It's the pursuit of pleasure. 
Hedon, hedonism, H-E-D-O-N-I-S-M. Hedonism is the pursuit of pleasure and self-indulgence. It's one of the lust of the flesh. It's one of the, one of the chief things in our country that's tearing our country to pieces. It's tearing our marriages to pieces. It's tearing our parents away from children. It's tearing up the church of Jesus Christ because we've not been able to discern the difference between what he gives us to enjoy in his presence and what we take to enjoy to fulfill our own unbridled desires, which can never, the Bible says the eye can never have enough. It's amazing. Stick with, check, keep with me, saints. I'm not done yet, almost, but check it out. The lust of the eye, the lust of, of the flesh is one thing. Our passions, the lust of the eye, our possessions, you know, how, how much stuff I got. I talked about it last week. Man, I've never seen so much stuff in the world. I've been going back in my own closet, and I'm looking at it. I start pulling this off. I got to give some stuff. I got to give this stuff away. I mean, it's ridiculous. I have a question. When's the last time you put that on? And I can't remember. It got to go. It's amazing how much stuff we can get. This second one, this second one, trap is the lust of the eyes. Because just look good when you go to your closet and there's a lot of stuff hanging up in there. But it used to frustrate me to know when my wife would go to a closet. She couldn't get a thin, slick, silk blouse. She couldn't hang that up because the stuff was so tight. And she'd be, all this stuff be in that closet jammed up in there. And she'd be standing there looking real sad. I said, what's the matter? She said, I don't have nothing to wear. Well, I got the full definition of that later, but, uh, but, but, but do you understand how crazy that sounds? I understand. She meant I don't have anything that makes me feel like I want to feel. We keep getting more and more. It's not just the ladies. It's the guys. Go out there in the garage and there's tools, his tools and tell me how many tools he got. And he ain't used it for 10 years. Them tools all stacked up and about to rust because, you know, he just need to know that if I ever need that tool, I can get it. Come on, brother, say amen. It's an amazing thing. Stuff is crazy, man. We, it just continues to pile up. This is what happens. <laughs> this is what happens when we are consumed by our possessions, by the lust of the eyes. You see a product you don't even know existed 30 seconds ago and now you have to have it or your life will not be complete. Greed is the temptation to deal with. I see all of these things and I want them all. I'll take them all. Isn't it great to have enough money to say I'll take them all. You know, not only a green pair, I want a blue pair. I want a, I want a, I want a chartreuse pair. I want a, you understand? I'll take the leather, I'll take the suede pair, and I'll take the pebble grain pair. Take all three of them, even though they're the same style. I'll take all. How many of y'all understand how wonderful it is? It's a wonderful thing to be able to do it. But you know what's amazing when you get driven by that? And stuff is piling up that you don't even use. This comes from this number two, the lust of the eyes. I see it. I know it's there. I want it. I want it. I want it. I'm going to have it, you know. And it's amazing how many people have been working in their life to make more dollars and cents so they can get more stuff that they don't even use. Because somehow more stuff piled up makes us feel more safe and secure. Makes us 
feel more important, potent, important, excuse me, important. And the third one is the pride of life. The pride of life is success and status. The pride of life has to do with position. This is a temptation to be and to make it all about me. I want to be loved. To be loved. To be loved. Oh, what a feeling. <laughs> to be loved. To be famous. To be envied by other people. To be worshipped is really what it comes from. I want other people to think I'm better than they. This is the pride of life. It's narcissism. It's a narcissistic life that centers, that the universe centers around you. And if you can't profit, or if you're not the final deal, you don't want it. This is that third trap in life that the enemy uses against us to keep us from the great things that God has for us. The pride of life is an amazing deal. So these three, these three things are the three big temptations, and they, they're not new. They've been around since the world has been. Satan has been using these same tactics. He used it with Adam and used it with Eve. Write them down. Here they are. Sex, salary, status. That's what he uses. Sex, salary, status. None of these things are bad. Not one of them are bad in themselves. Everybody here who's, who, who loves God and who has a wife knows that sex is a wonderful, can be a wonderful thing. By the way, I'm sorry for some of you that don't know this, but if anybody in the house that knows that sex is really a wonderful thing, I want you to clap your hands and give God praise. Cause okay, I only got half the room clapping. I don't know what that other half is, but I do know. I'm, it, it, I mean, it, It's a wonderful thing, saints. I want to tell you that God didn't make a mistake. <laughs> you didn't know you lived around such wild people, amen. Sex, God, uh, he, he wrote a book, a friend of mine wrote a book called Sex Was God's Idea. And uh, it's a good thing, amen. It becomes a horrific thing thing once it is perverted. Salary, income is a powerful thing. It's a wonderful thing. God wants that. That's why your dreams become alive because there's such a thing as earnings and salary. Profit. And then there's status. And status is great because, because when, you, when you have status, it does fulfill you. But none of these are bad in themselves as long as they're within God's design. So the problem is when we attain these things and they become the ultimate goal. When we love these things more than we love God and more than we love people. When we love our pleasures, our possessions, and our position. More than we love God, more than we love our neighbor. These are the three great temptations that we will face over and over again in our lives. And I'm saying to us, beloved, none of us are exempt from that temptation. Are you still breathing, saints? So the, the three represent the natural 
a natural um, gravitational pull in your life. It's the pull of a broken world, of a sinful world. Left to ourselves, this is where we will drift. We don't drift into self-discipline. We don't drift into giving to others. We don't drift into serving others. But the good news is that we can overcome every one of these temptations. We can live in this all-in. See, we can live in an all-in kind of life, making it about God's kingdom, not our own. Giving and serving others and making our communities better. These three things draw us away from that goal. Well, how do we overcome them? Really, it may be easier than you think. We keep overcoming these temptations by employing a couple of three things. So let me give you, let me give you a couple of steps. Are you there? I'm going to finish. You okay? All right. How about overcoming the flesh? If you're going to overcome the flesh, write this word down. It, the word that God will, will, will deal with you is a word called integrity. What is integrity? A lot of people think that it means honesty. That's a part of it, but it's much more than that. It's more than honesty. Integrity comes from the word integer, or to be complete, or to be whole. It's, 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 it's this word wholeness is really the word integrity. See, it's so easy for me to compartmentalize my life, to separate my pulpit life from my home life from my married life, from my parental life. It's easy to separate your life into pockets, allowing whatever you want to happen in each of those pockets. But integrity says, I'm living my life, I'm living my life, uh, uh, living my life like it's golden. I'm, oh, sorry, wrong, okay, got it. All right, it just came up in my mind. But, 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 but what, what, what I mean by that is when God deals with your heart, then everything in your life is integrated. You're not one person over here and another one over there. You're not one person in public and you're a whole other person in private. Am, am I talking to you? Am I talking to the saints? When Jesus comes and he says, follow me, he means follow me through every arena of your life. Your public life, your private life, your private, private life, your private, private, private life. Are you breathing? I mean, I'm talking about that life in the special room on your throne. I want to be, Jesus said, I want to be with you while you are on your throne. Everything matters. Integrity pulls your life together. Makes everything make sense. It comes through the truth of God. And when you say, Lord, I want my life to be an impact. I, integrity doesn't mean perfect. It just means all the parts are together. Are you there? And many people are trying to live a perfect life and you're frustrated because you can't. Because you've not submitted to the only one who has the perfect life and that's Jesus Christ. 
You submit to him, then he doesn't go in it. Jesus doesn't go to, he doesn't go away. He doesn't leave you when you're making a deal on your job. When, when, you, when you walk with Christ, he doesn't disappear when you're behind closed doors and you got to sign contracts. He's right there. He didn't go anywhere when you were cussing your child out. He was standing right there. This is about receiving him in all of your life. You're public, you're private, you're semi-private. God wants to be all in all. The greatest war, the greatest war against the lust of the flesh is to invite him into every part. We sang about it. You can move that over. Whatever it is, you can move that over. Make room. I will make room. That's what we're talking about. Jesus being there in every, influencing, working in you in every transaction, light and dark. Are you breathing okay, saints? For many of us to, over, to overcome, for many of us to overcome, to overcome this one thing, to overcome the lust of the flesh, you just need to see Jesus right there. It's real hard to sin, and you know Jesus, tell your neighbor what I say, it's hard for you to sin and know that Jesus is right there. Because he loves you. And the, uh, uh, oh, Can I get a better amen than that? Amen? Okay, quick, quick, quick. Okay, so how do I deal with the lust of the eyes? How do, I leave, how do I deal with that? None of us are perfect, so what we got to do is invite the Lord Jesus in. Let him talk to you. You laying on your bed, and Jesus will talk to you. You about to go do something crazy because you feel it. You know, what, you know what I'm saying? Are y'all feeling me? You about to go do something. You might make a dumb decision, and he's right there. If you acknowledge him, Lord, I know you're here. He said, I want you to know that what you're feeling right now is not real. It's just temporary. Truth is forever. Feelings have a shelf life. Mm, I didn't get no amens with that. Amen. How about, how about the lust of the eyes? You know, I, I was talking to some young guys and they said, Bishop, we just don't know what to do because when she walked by, oh my God. I said, no, don't, 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 don't say that. Don't say OMG. He did make her, but, you know, he's given restrictions around us. So I told one guy, I said, look, you know, just why don't you quit letting the devil use you? If the woman look good, just say you look good. God gave you eyes. I'm sorry. I'm not just talking to men right now. Hello. If he, if he ripped, if brother man is ripped, then he just ripped. If he got that V-shape, hello, somebody? Help me, on the, help me so I can get out of this. <laughs> it, it doesn't mean that you, don't, you can't see. God gave you eyes. He even gave you what is attractive. Am I talking to the right people? But just because a person looks beautiful, you don't have to take them another step. You don't, you don't have to, you don't, you, don't, you don't have to, you don't have to take them to bed in your mind. And one of the major keys in dealing with the lust of the eyes, and this, this will help you, this, this, this will help you. 
Say generosity. See, integrity helps you with the lust of the flesh. But generosity helps you with the lust of the eyes. Because you know what? Here's, what? here's the way it works. The only antidote to change this attitude, instead of get, 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 I want, I want, I want. Remember, the eye will never have enough. Like the fire that burns will never have, never be satisfied. So what you must do, what you must do with this is you got to change it from get, get, get. I know, but it works to give, give, give. If all you do is get, you burn that fire that never gets enough. And I promise you, you can't have enough. You can't have enough to satisfy that. Not until you shift in your heart and you say, Lord, I need to give. That's why, by the way, that is why many of you, the Holy Spirit will speak to you about something you have that you really, 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 really like. Because it occupies a place in your heart that's inappropriate for your Savior. And he will ask you, give it. Oh, God, I know this one. The Holy Spirit will come to you about something that you love. I'm sorry. Somebody help me right now. Jump on your feet if the Holy Spirit made you give in your heart, instructed you to give something that you loved it, but you knew it wasn't right in your heart. You had to give it. Stand up on your feet if God ever did that to you, if he ever did it to you. It's an amazing thing. And by the way, when you resist that, you welcome that never-ending lustful thing to reside in your life. You may be seated. How do, you, how do you fight? How do you fight the lust of the eyes? Then you, you give. Churches should be the most generous places filled with the most generous people because we've encountered the most generous God. That's why it says, for God so loved that he gave. Are you breathing, saints? This is God's nature. And we are most like Christ when we give. Every time I give, my heart is moved closer toward the Lord. And I break the grip of materialism. What ha what's really beautiful is to have money in your hand. All money available. You got your cash app is overflowing. Your bitcoins are stacking up. <laughs> you, you, you got, on top of that, you got cash in your pocket and your regular bank accounts are full. To be able to walk through the mall and not have to buy one good Christian cousin. No, not one doggone thing. Just walk through. Oh, that's beautiful. Oh, that's beautiful. Oh, that's, uh, and I don't have to have. To be able to, when God said, take that, take this, and give, see that person over there, take this and give it to them. Something happens inside of you when you overcome the lust of the eye with generosity. Mm, every time I give, my heart moves closer to, towards Christ. I dare you to trust God. I dare you to trust God with your money and with your possessions. Trust him. If you trust him with your salvation, why not trust him with your money? 
I'm talking to you today, amen. Why not take a leap of faith and start giving? Because every time you give, your heart moves closer toward the Lord. Jesus understood that because he said, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So when you take your treasure and you give, your heart follows. Your heart follows. And when you give like God your heavenly father gives, your heart moves towards him. Are you there, saints? Mm. I've been, I've been, I've been uh, saying throughout this series of All In, it's, a, it, it, it's about much more than just the money. It, it's about our hearts. Metro, what God wants to do with us at this stage in our history, where he wants to take us, where he wants you to go. And that's really good news because when God starts asking you for something, you know he wants to take you somewhere. In the same way he looks at his, our patriot, he looks at him and he says, I want you to leave your country. I want you to leave your, I want you to leave your family. And I want you to leave your daddy's house. And I'm going to lead you. I'm going to show you where to go. And Abraham, his whole because he says yes and he follows and he, every time God instructs him to give his heart is closer to the Lord even at the point when he recovered all that was stolen of his men and the possessions when he recovered it in that battle he, was, he came back with all the spoils and with all the people and he, he encounters Melchizedek on the way and the first thing he does, Melchizedek is the king of peace, the king of Salem. And, and the first thing Abram does is he takes a tenth of all that spoil and he lays it at the feet of the king. He's, he's saying, I couldn't have done this without help. Everything I own, everything that's precious to me was taken and now it's recovered. And I'm going to show you what is more precious to me than what I recovered? You. It's amazing where your heart, where your treasure goes, your heart goes. When you love God and you give toward God, your heart moves more toward him. And I want to just tell you, saints, in this all-in, in this all-in initiative, I'm believing God to change us, to change you, it's not only in the rendering of our resources, it's the rendering of our lives. Tap your neighbor and say, get back, get back in the ministry. Tap, tap your neighbor and say, get back in the ministry. Get back to doing the thing that pleases God. Other people, other souls. When you start engaging and giving yourself, hmm, you move closer to God. So the Lord wants to help you in this. And he's not kidding about it. He means it. For the lust of a flesh integrity, for the lust of the eyes, generosity. And the last one, for the pride of life. Look at your neighbor said, it's humility. Humility is not false pride. False pride that, well, you know, I, I didn't ever have much in my life and I growed up poor and uh, 
you know, I, I just say, you know, I don't, I don't mount to nothing. You know, false pride that says, well, no, Lord, he don't want to use me. False pride that says, well, I, I'm, I'm not really worth that. I, I, God can't really use me because I, you know, I, I'm not much to use. It's, it's a, a false pride that, that keeps you from seeing big and dreaming big and remembering that the God you serve is big. Why wouldn't he give you anything else less than a big dream and a big vision and a, because of his own nature is big. He didn't count your sins against you. Oh God. But instead, took that record of all your sins and placed instead his righteousness over you. Crowned you with loving kindness and tender mercies. Removes from you your sin so that it does not even look in his face when he sees you anymore. He places his son over you. So whenever you approach him, he sees his son. He says, well, I'm not much. Well, you must have been something because he died for you. You must have been worth something if he would be willing to suffer for you. The pride of life is not this false humility. Jesus didn't die for junk. You do not, you, do, do, you, do you want to know, you want to know how valuable you are? Then if you want to know how valuable, you are, how really valuable you are, this is the other side of it. But look at the cross. If you want to know how valuable you are, remember the cross. What it cost God to redeem your soul? Heaven and earth, heaven and earth, he would move away to get your soul. Because it's that precious to him. What do you mean you're not worth anything? Are you kidding me? You want to overcome the pride of life, then humble yourself and you realize that in my state, the state that I was in, he deemed me valuable enough to come get me. He tear down any wall. I'll move any mountain to come get you, running after you. That's who you are. Even how evil, horrible the things that were done through us, God never lost sight of your value. That's why I want you to bow your head right now before the Lord. Because if you're living a life out of pride, out of lust, of the eyes of the flesh, you need to know that the Lord Jesus deems you worthy of losing, giving his life. That's what it means. For he so loved you that he was willing to give himself for you. Lord have mercy. Thank you, Jesus. Why do you still resist him? Why do you still fight him? Why do you still act like he doesn't know the depth of what you are dealing with? Could it be that it might be your pride that keeps you from coming to him, knowing that if you give yourself to him, he will take all that is evil from you, he'll take all that is, all that is destroying you from you and give you himself. 
in the name of Jesus Christ. You need to say yes to God. Not only to yes to, to, what he, to who he is, but yes to what he has for you. This change is exactly what he wants. This, this very small incremental change of the way you think. He is my all in all. Has enormous changes in your life. When you say, okay, I'm going to follow you. Enormous changes in your life. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for bringing this change into every life of every believer, into every life of every person. Thank you, Lord, for taking us just like we are, making that incredible change for your kingdom and for your glory. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for speaking to those whom you're asking them to give of themselves and their resources. I praise you for this, Lord. I thank you for it. Lord, today we want to tell you that we're all in in the same way that you are all in for us. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. Amen. Stand on your feet if you would. Stand on your feet. Ushers.